Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls. And my guest today is Dr. Emily Kybert. She is a chiropractic physician, an expert in Hashimoto's disease, and also on weight training. So today is going to be really cool because we're going to talk about how you can overcome Hashimoto's through weight training, resistance training, and all other things Hashimoto's. So Dr. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I always think it's interesting for people to know, I mean, so many of us, again, come to doing what we do because we've had our own personal experience. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your own experience and, you know, why do you do what you do? Yeah. I mean, I've been a chiropractor since 2007. And as we evolve as physicians, our practice evolves. And I actually don't adjust to like a high velocity, low amplitude adjustment that much anymore unless it's necessary. So gasp, all the chiropractors are, anyone who sees a chiropractor listening might be like, oh, what's she talking about? But in 2016, I had my first kid, Elvis, and all the new things that a mom experiences, I was experiencing. So brain fog, couldn't finish my sentence, really, really crushing fatigue, like fatigue worse than first trimester pregnancy fatigue, Difficulty losing the baby weight, you know, finding clumps of my hair in the drain, losing my outer third of my eyebrow. And when you're a new mom, you don't know. And so I was like, okay, I guess this is like, this is my norm. This is life. But 18 months later, postpartum, so a year and a half, my kids, you know, running around, I still felt all those symptoms. And I think the biggest one for me was that really crushing fatigue. The end of the day on a Monday felt like I had worked like a full 40-hour week. Um, and I think, you know, all the other symptoms, yes, they were annoying. But that was the one where I was like, this cannot be my life. <laughs> like, I cannot be laying on the couch every day when I get home and then sleeping through the weekends. So I started to just to search out different doctors, right? So GP, endocrinologist. I actually saw two different functional medicine docs and I did different protocols. I didn't get really clarity on what was going on. But I was like, all right, we're going to do these protocols. And I didn't feel better. And one of my girlfriends introduced me to uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And at the time we had practices a couple blocks from each other in New York City. And she, you know, she did a whole barrage of blood work. She's like, has anyone else checked more than just your TSH, your thyroid stimulating hormone? I was like, no, I, I don't even know what that is. I, I do injury prevention and biomechanics and that kind of stuff. And she's like, all right, well, you are on your way to an autoimmune condition. You have elevated thyroid antibodies. And it's really great that we caught it early because if we catch it early before there's too much destruction of your thyroid gland, it can go into remission. And that's our goal, you know, for me as a patient for where I was at that time. And I'm very much of the sentiment of you give me a game plan and I'll execute versus kind of like maybe the different sentiment would be a little wishy-washy like uh can I have this bite of gluten but then not tomorrow it's like if you tell me don't eat gluten I'm not gonna eat gluten so you know one of the first changes was dietary changes so eliminated gluten dairy alcohol and I was also having some histamine response. So every time I ate, my tongue hurt. And I had a little bit of hormonal eczema on my hand, which, as you can imagine, as a chiropractor, working on people all day can be very, very annoying. So made those changes. So went on a low histamine diet as well. 
started to, I took a little bit of medication, uh, Cytomil, was on different supplement protocols for gut health, gut healing, really addressing some gut dysbiosis. And then after about nine months, which I know some listeners might think, nine months? That is a long time to start feeling better. But it took about nine months to start to get my energy back. And then we started to dive into some of the potential triggers that we could be adding load to the system. Living in mold, getting mold and mycotoxin exposure, some heavy metal exposure. At the time, we lived about a block from the Gowanus Canal in Brooklyn, which is very high. You will find like $8,000 high-rise apartments on there. But the Gowanus is also considered a super fun site. Uh, so Toxic soup. Toxic soup. You know, they just started dredging it and they had to dredge 10 feet down into the soil before they could find clean soil, which is just crazy. And, you know, we have all these, like, all these kids are living around there and they're doing new development. So a heavy uh, metal protocol, a mold protocol, which, you know, takes commitment. I was jumping in a sauna, taking binders, you know, charcoal soap, all the things. And, you know, gradually got my energy back. And I think, you know, one of the things that felt like it was lagging was some of the baby weight was hanging on. And at the time I was really trying to hit it with cardio, kind of like what we've been told societally as women. It's like, go put your running shoes on, go to a spin class, go to a hit class, go to a spin class, and then a hit class for 90 minutes straight. And, you know, I was already running a practice, had a team of 10, new baby, all the things. I'm just burning the candle at both ends. So I started to reach out. I, have a, I had a trainer at the time who worked in the clinic. And he's like, you know what? You are like wasting so much time and energy. Let's do it smarter. Instead of harder, let's do it smarter. And we did 20-minute kettlebell workouts, heavier weights, long rest breaks. And I felt better and the weight came off. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. And at the time, I was co-treating with a lot of functional medicine docs. So they were treating the autoimmune population from that functional medicine, kind of the internal aspect. And they were sending them to me, these patients, to address the strength, the rehab, the joint pain, the muscle ache perspective. So that was how I started to work, you know, not only get through my own diagnosis, luckily been in remission for the last five years, even through a second pregnancy. Uh, and we know pregnancy can be a load, right? A stress around the body. We can sometimes get a flare up and worked with women one-on-one -on -one and then put it into an online format because I felt like I was repeating myself all day. Uh, and I was like, you know what? More women need to know how to do this. And there were certain things that came up in clinical practice, working with the autoimmune population, especially around muscle, that I was like, you know what? More, more people need to know this. Yeah, well, it's such a great story. And I think it's always so profound when we've had our own personal experience that we can bring to the table. So when you're working with people and they're like, you have no idea what it's like. I am so tired. Like, no, no, no. I know exactly what you're feeling. Been there, done it. But it's also great because you, you overcome it yourself. You know how to help people move through it and that you're not necessarily stuck in this position. Um, can you just talk a little bit for those who might not be in the know? Can you talk a little bit about what is Hashimoto's disease? Yeah, so it is an autoimmune condition um, of the thyroid gland where 
there's three components to getting diagnosed. The first is having the symptoms. So kind of everything that I had mentioned, fatigue, difficulty losing weight, brain fog, cold sensitivity, a little dry, dry hair, dry skin, losing your hair, constipation, just everything feels sluggish and slower because less thyroid hormone. The second component is an elevated TSH, um, thyroid stimulating hormone. Obviously there's other lab work tests that a great physician would order to get that full perspective of how your thyroid gland is functioning. And then the last piece is, do you have a presence of thyroid antibodies? And there's two different tests. One checks for the antibodies attacking the actual thyroid gland. And then the second test is the antibodies uh, attacking the circulating thyroid hormone. So some women reach out and they're like, well, I got my, th my thyroid removed. Can I still have Hashimoto's? And you're like, well, yes, you can. And this is why. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... One of those things in conventional medicine we know really gets overlooked because a lot of doctors are taught just to check TSH. And, you know, that one piece really gives you a very small view of the whole picture of what's going on with their thyroid. And I'm sure you've seen in your practice too, a number of people, unfortunately, mostly women, that, you know, their TSH looks fine. But yeah, you find out they do have thyroid antibodies or they have a low free T3. So it's really important that if you're suspicious about having a thyroid problem, that your doctor really does a full panel to look at all these different aspects of your thyroid gland. Yeah. I mean, my, the first four doctors I saw only checked TSH. And when I go back and look at the lab work, the TSH was like, I think it was like 2.8, like three, like around there, which even if you just check TSH, the, that is it within a conventional range. It's almost close to an optimal range, but not quite. And uh, so I can, I can understand why conventional medicine, the first four doctors would look at me and be like, okay, you're fine. <laughs> Go on your way. You're just a new mom. <laughs> this is your new norm. Go get some sleep when your kid sleeps. But I do think it's important that, you know, if the provider is not taking the time to take a great intake, it, you don't feel heard, doesn't feel like a partner in your health in this journey that you keep searching. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know there's so many aspects of treating Hashimoto's and we don't have time to go into all of it, but I want to talk very specifically about weight training and resistance training, because I know, again, that's you've been your personal experience, a part of how you got well. You know, why is this so important for people to incorporate as part of their overall treatment plan? So with Hashimoto's, that hypo, that underactive thyroid component, it is harder for us to maintain our muscle mass. And the muscle is really important. It's our metabolic engine. You know, the more muscle we have, the more calories we burn when we're not working out. And, you know, if we get really, really sick, like if we become bedridden, like in these kind of crazy times, it is the one determinant of whether we are going to get out of the ICU or you know, if we fall and break a hip, the one factor that, you know, the more meat we have on the bones will help us recover quicker. So I think it's really important for the Hashi ladies and for women, you know, for people with an autoimmune condition to really focus on feeding the muscle. I think a common recommendation from conventional medicine as well as some functional medicine docs the recommendations for exercise are go take a walk, 
Try some low impact exercise, maybe some swimming. You know, we don't want to burn out. So go try some yoga or Pilates. And I think those have a time and place. Uh, you know, I try to hit 10,000 steps a day. But all of those things don't focus on feeding the muscle, on putting more meat on the bones, on growing the muscle. And the thing that does is resistance training, picking up a heavy weight, you know, with amazing form, good breath and brace, putting it down and doing it again. And ideally, you know, the newest research uh, that came out was you need to hit fatigue. And I think culturally we think of fatigue as like <clears throat> laying in a puddle of sweat on the floor. Like we can't get up and we're red in the face. And we're all huffy puffy. Like we just did like 50 minutes of CrossFit. But fatigue to build your muscle, to maintain your muscle mass is the last rep, the last couple reps has to be an eight out of 10 in terms of perceived exertion. So maybe you have like two more reps in the tank. Whether you hit that fatigue after a thousand reps or six reps, the latest research shows that the stimulation of the muscle is the same. For me, being a mom, I like efficiency and effectiveness. So I want to do less reps, a little heavier weight, and then take a long rest break. I used to do a lot of dance cardio, like five pound weights. You had to do like <laughs> many, many, many reps. And I also find that women, especially with Hashimoto's, we could talk about like the tendons. When they do a lot of reps, they experience, like they have a higher propensity to an overuse injury. So I would rather do less reps, focus on feeding the muscle. Yes, I think the cardio of like the, the walking is great. I think yoga has a time and place. Um, we could talk about this, but I don't think it's for everyone. And this is coming from like a trained yoga teacher who, you know, taught yoga in New York City for since 2007. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's so interesting when you talk about, you know, the importance of muscle mass. I mean, I think we saw this during COVID, too, that we found that people that had higher muscle mass were more resilient to the effects of COVID. So, you know, Hashimoto's persistent infection, you know, when you've got more lean muscle mass, less fat mass you know, your, your overall resilience is just so much greater, but I, you know, I, I can imagine for a lot of the Hashi's folks out there who are just exhausted and the thought of doing any kind of exercise, let alone, you know, pushing any kind of heavy weight, what's your recommendation of like just getting started and, you know, introducing themselves to some sort of weight training program or resistance training program? Yeah, I think learning good form. I think putting that mindset of I don't have to do three sets of 10 to 15. I could do three reps, you know, especially starting when you're just trying to dial in the form and not injure yourself. I would focus on less reps and then start to build up the weight and then take long rest breaks. You know, for those of us who are used to a kind of a boutique fitness class, you take your rest at the end of the class. When you watch professional lifters lift after they're set, they take a three to five minute rest break. Usually they're walking around the gym all huffy puffy and you wonder why they're on their phone, <laughs> but they're actually taking their rest break. So what if we did the same? Because recovery is really important, especially for the Hashi ladies. 
you know, there's articles out there and Dr. Donald Lehman, Gabriel Lyon talk about this, how muscle is the largest endocrine organ in the body. Like when you stimulate it, especially under load and under resistance training, it actually secretes proteins, myokines, that then can affect our hormone regulation, our immune system. Um, I think it's newer in the research, but I think it's important to, you know, especially with women struggling with Hashimoto's and it's like, I want to lose weight. I want to have more energy. The more muscle you have, those things will only get better. It'll yeah. easier. I know a lot of uh, women with Hashimoto's tend to have a lot of, you know, joint pain and muscle pain. Are you finding there's other things that are contributing to that aside from Hashimoto's? Yeah. So obviously the hypothyroid component, right? Every system in the body needs thyroid hormone. In my clinical practice, because I'm looking at the autoimmune population from a movement rehab, what's moving too much, what's not moving enough aspect, I found there was this consistent trend. There's no research on this. So this is why I say it's from clinical practice was there was an element of hypermobility in the joints. And there is a orthopedic test called a Baton score, which a lot of physical therapists use to check for hypermobility. Typically, it's used when you're checking for an Ehlers-Danlos, like a genetic mutation where all the joints are kind of sloppy and certain joints, it will show up more so. The knees, the elbows, the pinky touching the softer part of your forearm, the, um, sorry, the thumb touching the soft part of your forearm, the pinky bending back beyond 90. And then if you stood, bend forward, touch the floor, and you could palm the floor straight knees, which is like every yogi's dream, but is actually hypermobility in the joints. I found that to go hand in hand with a lot of the Hashi women that I was treating. And so a lot of the women come in, they have joint pain, they have muscle aches. They want a massage, they want an adjustment, they want to know how to foam roll. All this like release, like what yoga poses should I do? I'm like, you shouldn't do any yoga poses. <laughs> we need to rein it in. We need to create stability and integrity in the joints. How do we do that? Through resistance training. You know, and obviously there's this fear of, oh my God, am I going to injure myself? I'm scared of heavy weights. But, you know, I, I took those women took their yoga. I'll go, you know what? Let's just do an experiment. Let's do no yoga for eight weeks, which I kind of felt like I was taking away their soul sometimes, but it's like, it's an experiment. And let's do resistance training, working up to three, four times a week. And, you know, the first week they felt tighter and you're like, oh, like, this is not, this is not for me. And I was, you know, just stay with it because that tightness might just be creating the integrity, like finally getting your joints to create that stability that you need. And after probably like 10, 14 days, I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. When I used to get massaged, I felt good for like a couple hours, but like the next day I felt worse. Like I felt like I was hit by a bus. And so, you know, that was putting those elements and there's certain cues that you can say in certain lifts that can create that tension, that stability, that integrity in the joints. So I found that a lot of women, yes, they had the autoimmune component, the low TSH, such that, you know, their joints were achy, it just kind of goes hand in hand with Hashimoto's, but they actually started to feel better. They didn't change anything else except took away the stretching, the yoga, and added resistance training. Cool. 
I don't know. I'm curious, you know, when you're working with uh, people one-on-one, you know, how do you kind of design a workout program for someone with Hashimoto's? So we always start with the breath, which I know sounds a bit cliche because hello, we breathe 25,000 times a day. But I think a lot of women are taught to suck their belly to the spine, to draw up and in, to skinny up the waistline. And that's okay in a Pilates class. But when you pick up a weight, when you watch babies learn their movement patterns, they breathe down and wide into their belly and they brace like you've never seen a baby pull their belly to their spine, right? Unless they're not developing properly. You've never seen a baby like pull their shoulder blades together to get good posture, to get upright. So we teach people how to breathe down and wide. Then I teach women how to brace, which is very confusing because in workout classes, you hear engage your core, tighten your core, use your abs. You're like, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? (laughs) And I think I've found working with clients that men are better at this. I don't know if because they were little boys and like boys kind of like wrestle and punch each other and you learn to brace earlier than little girls. I don't know. That's my... That's my story, but teaching them how to brace, how to like keep that tension in their core. And then I teach them how to get stacked. So sometimes you'll see people over arch in their back or they'll kind of jut their chin when they're pulling away. And when you do that, now you're sitting on your joints, your facet joints, the joints on the back of the spine versus actually using muscles and gravity and building tension. So we teach women to get stacked, like keeping their ribs over their pelvis, you know, ears over shoulders, over hips. So those are the three things we teach. Sometimes just teaching the breath down and wide, like not just breathing up here in the chest in that stressed out sympathetic state might take a whole session. And we start face down because you can use the floor as proprioceptive feedback. Like, so if you say, take a breath in and you're face down, do you feel it, you know, below your belly button? And they don't breathe down. Like as if you're breathing the belly into the floor. And then we teach it through the developmental patterns, like how we learned our movements as babies. If you started someone standing, it's actually really challenging because you have to, you know, you have to control like where your feet are, old injuries and knee injuries. And then you ask someone to breathe. There's so much um, information going to the brain. If you put them face down, it's much easier. So that's where we start women, is with the breath. Sounds easy enough, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You know, there's all these interesting cues that we did just on a normal neurodevelopmental way. Like kids suction their tongue to the roof of their mouth when they're learning. Like they're very, you know, the tongue's very active. And then over time, as adults, we're stressed, like all the things that help with breathing, with moving, uh, we forget. So it's interesting to give people these little cues, like, you know, put your tongue on the roof of your mouth an inch behind your teeth. Now breathe. You're like, oh my God, my breath just went down into my belly. Yeah, that's a little trick of how we did it when we were one years old. So those kind of cues really help really stimulate that subconscious level of breathing and moving to prep the body neurologically before we pick up a weight. 
Well, this has been a bunch of great information. And I know you've got a program. I, again, I can imagine a lot of people listening. If you haven't done any kind of resistance training, this is all probably brand new to you. You've got a great 12-week transformation program. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's called Thyroid Strong, the 12-week transformation program. And it's really for the woman who is exhausted, who is worried that they're going to push themselves into Hashi flare-up, who has never picked up a weight or hasn't done it in probably over a year. So it doesn't have a lot of, you know, that baseline of education. And three times a week, I am working out with you. It is all pre-recorded, so you can do it from your home. Kettlebell base. Kettlebells are very forgiving when you're first learning form. You could use a dumbbell if you want. And it literally takes you from like all the form, all the cues, from body weight to lightweight to picking up heavier weight. And, you know, there's a nutrition component. There are interviews with different functional medicine docs talking about, you know, just the beginnings of the different root causes. Cause I think it's important for women everywhere to know, you know, there's women, you know, like in the middle of nowhere in the Yukon who sign up for thyroid strong, you know, their closest endocrinologist is like a five hour drive. So I think it's important to educate so that women can ask better questions and, you know, women have more energy, their pants fit better, like things, um, Sometimes when we have joint pain, we have to plan our day. And I had one with thyroid strong woman talk about she had a camper van with really high steps and she had to plan her day because she worried about knee pain. And then she did thyroid strong and she went the next summer, took her camper van with the high steps. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't have to plan my day. I didn't even think about my knees because, you know, I'm so strong. My knees are so stable. So thyroid strong, 12 week transformation. It is a great community of women, everyone has Hashimoto's. So, you know, how many times have you done a challenge and someone's getting results and you're like, why are, why am I not getting results? <laughs> well, this workout's killing me and I have an autoimmune condition. So it's nice that they're strong. Like everyone has Hashimoto's. Everyone has similar struggles and is also starting in the same place. Great. Well, we will definitely drop the link to the program and the show notes. So if you've been dealing with Hashimoto's and you've been on the couch, maybe for a little too long, this would be a great introduction to getting your body stronger, more resilient. And uh, I know it was just be a fantastic program that's going to help a lot of women. So Dr. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. And I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.